thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. This is Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread. This is episode 25. And I want to say sorry for uh, being a little bit late on this episode. I've had tremendous technical difficulties, recorded the podcast only to have it clip and click all the way through it and had to get rid of that one. And on top of that, we've had the joy of launching Media Light in the last 10 days. And this is our um, media and leadership school. And students have come from five or six different countries. And they've gathered here in Chiang Rai, so we've been getting them settled into the school. And uh, just some really amazing things are happening. We've got a great batch of students. And this week we've had uh, Shane Vermouten in from Media Village in Cape Town, South Africa. And he has been teaching them how to edit software, uh, sorry, how to edit video on software and how to use a camera properly. And then... Uh, Diane Vermouten is coming in next week, and she's going to talk about story, how to write a good script, and then on into how to produce uh, good, solid video content. So we've had an exciting time, but it's been a very demanding time because we're, even as a school, we run about a 12-hour day, and so we've had our hands full. Anyway, I know that didn't stop your world, but I just wanted to explain, and uh, because I miss doing these, and I miss the interaction that I get with those of you who email and connect to me that way. So uh, today we're on probably the central chapter of the whole book of Mark. And this is where not only does the focus of the book change, but even Christ's own message changes. So I'm calling this episode The Hinge. If you don't have a Bible, run get one because... We're going carefully through it, a verse at a time. We're in chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, and we'll be right back. Okay, let's dive in. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Um, in the interest of time, so that I can focus where I want to focus today, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of uh, time on verses 22 through 26, except to say, because it's similar to another miracle that happened just before this. Uh, but I do want to uh, touch on this about good pastoral care. If there's anything that I think is lacking in the modern church, uh, it's we are seeing the death of a real pastor. You know, uh, guys want to be in the ministry. They want to be the pastor, but they want to be more like a CEO and they hire somebody else to do the care part. And then they just do public speaking and some things like that. Uh, I think they're missing a lot, and I think the whole church is suffering because of that. Um, this is a good model of pastoral care, even when you're talking about uh, ministering healing and other things involving the supernatural. Uh, this man is brought to Jesus by his friends in verse 22. Uh, he's blind, and his friends are begging him just to touch the man. In their mind, their faith is so high, they just believe if all Jesus would do is touch him, it will all be better. And he does not minister to this man in front of everybody else. He takes him by the hand. That's a good pastoral uh, signal. You, you touch people in appropriate ways and you show uh, care for them. He took the man by the hand, 
in a concerned way. He led the blind man out of town. And so he's taking him to uh, a private place, and that's another good thing in pastoral care. We need to uh, recognize the need for privacy uh, to deal with things. Uh, There are things you just don't do out in the open. And then he raised this man's level of faith. He spent time uh, building this man's expectation up. And he did it in a, uh, in a Middle Eastern way. Uh, they believe, as we've already covered uh, in another podcast, uh, they believe that spit was curative and that, uh, you know, anything, basically everything we have from God flows through Jesus. And anything that flows through Jesus has anointing and blessing on it. And even his spit carries healing power, praise God. And he spit and put it on this man's eyes, and then he put his hands on him. This is raising his faith. Something's about to happen to you. And then uh, he prayed. It doesn't even say he prayed for him. I imagine he commanded, if it's the way he normally did it, he commanded the eyes to work. And then, and I think this shows great humility even from the Lord, he had a time of inquiry after healing prayer. Now, I'm Pentecostal, and all my life I have seen people prayed for, and all of my ministry, I've prayed for people. And very seldom in an extreme prayer case, like someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who's got, you know, something like blindness uh, wrong with him, uh, there is no one will take the risk of doing a pastoral inquiry. You know, you ask them what's wrong with them. And then when it's over and you lay hands on them and you ask God to do a supernatural miracle, if, you know, if their back has been in so much pain that they can't move, and you pray for them, you need to ask them if the pain is gone. Don't ask them with pressure that they have to pretend that their back is gone. But you need to have the humility to ask. Now, something about this experience didn't go exactly right. And this is the second time that Mark has recorded this. Uh, in another case, he said that when Jesus went to his hometown, hometown and the people were so hostile and their faith was so low and all they wanted to do was argue with him, Uh, The way Mark records it, he says he could do no mighty miracles there, except he did heal a few sick folk. So it limited uh, it limited his healing ministry when everybody had a contrary opinion and they weren't flowing with it. Now, here's a case where the man is flowing with it. He has prayed for him. And yet it's an incomplete healing. The man said, well, I can see. But when I look around and look at people, they're, they're huge. I see men like walking trees. And you know what? That wasn't good enough for Jesus. He applies the medicine of prayer again. You know, if you, you don't just take one antibiotic pill, and if it doesn't heal you immediately, you stop taking them. You just keep taking them. And, you know, how many times have I gone through an entire series of antibiotics, and I didn't really feel any different, but... You know, the very next time I go to the doctor and he prescribes antibiotics, I'm still taking them. And uh, so why do we treat prayer and healing any differently? Uh, if you pray for someone, they don't get healed immediately. Think of it as medicine. Apply the medicine again. Keep applying the medicine of prayer. Because there is a, there's crisis in the spiritual life. And by that, I don't mean bad times. I mean instant moments of change, crossroad moments. But there's also process, and sometimes even the supernatural work of God, and this man is about to receive his sight again, uh, even the supernatural work of God needs uh, some time, needs some process. 
And this man is healed. That time, uh, Christ makes him look up. He's restored. He sees everything perfectly. And then, once again, Jesus says to him, I don't really want you telling this. This is not for the crowds. I'm not grandstanding over this. I don't need credit for this. This miracle is for this man. That's all he's focused on. And that's a good reminder to all of us. You don't have to take a picture of every single good work that you do and stick it in a newsletter. Enough said on that. Now we get to the heart of this chapter. It is the biggest uh, turning point in the gospel of Mark. Jesus and his disciples, the verse says 27, they have now gone out to the towns uh, away from uh, where they have been staying. He's on the road. They're on an outreach. And he turns and says, who do men say that I am? The person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a new section. It forms the hinge of the book. He's no longer talking about uh, hypocrisy and, you know, in the religious establishment. He's not just talking about uh, the need to set people free or how to do ministry. Now he turns the whole thing and he has avoided this for two years. But now in his third year of ministry, he opens a brand new subject. And that is the person of Jesus Christ, because everything we have depends on his person. Uh, we're not saved theologically because of the teachings of Jesus. We're saved because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. Because if Christ is not indeed uh, almighty God come in human flesh, then all the rest of it falls apart. You you simply cannot, and C.S. Lewis made this point very carefully, and uh, Josh McDowell in his book, More Than a Car Carpenter, does a good job going over this argument also. And he says, you simply cannot look at Jesus and say he was a good man. He was a strong teacher, a good moral example uh, that scripture will not allow you to stop at that point because Jesus claimed to be one with the creator God. He claimed to be one with the father. He believed himself to be God told others that he was, he called on men to follow him, leave everything they had, go to their death. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. He called them to sacrifice everything for him because he was the son of God, the one and only representative of God to the world. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except through me. In another place, he says, everyone who came before me is a thief and a liar. Uh, I am the son of God. So he's either a liar who knew that was not true, duped people, wanted their uh, loyalty and lied to them, knowing that he was not God. Or number two, he was a lunatic who thought he was God. Now, if you go into uh, mental homes, you will find many people who have a messianic complex of some kind. They believe themselves to be God or an angel or something related uh, to a religious system. But if you spend a little time with those people, you don't you know, you don't get the same kind of personality as when you read the Gospels. Jesus is not a, a ranting uh, lunatic person. You have to make a decision. He's either a liar or he's a lunatic, or in fact, he really is the Lord. He is the Lord of all. 
He is the creator of all. He has come to bridge the gap between God and man. And he deserves our highest loyalty and our absolute obedience. The person of Jesus Christ. Everything in Christianity hinges on the person of Jesus Christ. And he didn't start off his ministry talking about this because he's brand new. Why should anybody believe that about him? But he has spent now uh, three years doing miracles that have never been done before. He is speaking words that pierce the heart. He is walking on water. He is calming the storm. He is building the case for what he is about to start teaching. And he will teach this and he will not stop teaching it. Now, what's different about the Gospel of John is that John's Gospel primarily concerns itself with the last seven days of Jesus' life. And it has long discourses that he brought to Jerusalem and delivered there, words he says about himself. And you just cannot reconcile those words with someone who is uh, content to be a a strong teaching rabbi uh, with a good following. He doesn't stop with that. He claims a position for himself that is either true or not true. And you have to come to an opinion about this and you have to make your decision about this because the trial of Jesus Christ was not about what he did. That trial was about who he was. He declared that he had the authority to judge the priests, to cleanse the temple uh, with a whip and kick over their business and take authority over them and change their traditions. And this question, answering this question, is the most crucial element in a person's spiritual life. He asked Simon Peter, he asked the twelve, who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately answers, you are Messiah, without hesitation. You are the one to whom the Old Testament scriptures point. You are the one for whom God has built a stage in the last days to set you upon a throne over the people of Israel and over the world. This question, this question that he asked Peter, who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? That question marks a turning point in his ministry and in this book. And Jesus begins at this point to openly teach about his person, who he is for the first time. And he's going to revisit uh, all the Old Testament texts often with them. He's going to go over the key points in the Old Testament. He's going to go over it with Israel's religious leaders. He is going to show them that the promised Messiah that is is uh, all through the Old Testament, the promised Messiah And the promised kingdom, the king of that kingdom is more than a man. That a man cannot fulfill the prophecies. It can't just be another earthly king. He will claim to be God. And he will claim to have power in his blood to wash away the sins of the entire world. Who do men say that I am? And who do you? Say that I am. You know, this is an age of religious pluralism. Uh, The great doctrine of the world is uh, to be inclusive now and to be tolerant and to not raise your um, your religion above anybody else's to just let all faiths coexist side by side. 
And Jesus simply will not allow us to do that. Christianity, at its core, is an evangelistic religion. You cannot take it out. Christ himself was on a mission to evangelize Israel and to set in motion the evangelization of the world. He turned to the, God, he turned to the disciples. He entrusted the good news of the kingdom, God's offer, to sinful, fallen men and women, that he would embrace them in their brokenness, that he would forgive because Jesus would pay the price. He would forgive their sinfulness. He would adopt them into his family. He would wipe away their past. He would give them a life that had a future and a purpose. He would uh, relate to them as a father, not a king, not a boss, not a judge, but as a father. The gospel that he would take you out from under the power of the spiritual darkness that holds this entire world in bondage. And he would break the fetters off of your off of your soul. And he would remove you from underneath the authority of the evil ruler, Satan. He's promised that that's the gospel. It's his promise. I will take you out of this darkness and I will bring you to myself and you will be one with me. I will put my spirit in you. I will change your life. These are the promises we receive from God through Jesus Christ. Everything God has done for us is mediated through Jesus Christ. And I had one man explain it to me this way when I was a young man uh, in seminary. He said, if 10 million years from today, as we all enjoyed God pre God's presence in heaven, if 10 million years from today, somehow the blood of Jesus lost its power to make us right with God, everyone in heaven would immediately be plunged into hell. We are there because of Jesus. We are there because of who he is. His death matters because of who he is. If he is not the son of God, if he is not fully God and fully man, able to stand in our place with clean hands and offer himself as a blood sacrifice to cover the sins of all men, if he is not that man, then his death is just one more tragic death. They happen every day. Good people die all the time, and it has absolutely no power. We are lost in our sins. We are locked into a fallen nature that we can't fix. But that's not the reality. Jesus is the son of God. He has brought salvation to this world. And today, if you will open your heart and allow him to do his work, he will cause you. He will give you a spiritual rebirth. The rebirth of the soul is one of the primary teachings of Jesus. Where your old man is broken and a new spirit is placed within you and you start life over. It's the promise of God. It's a promise for you and it's a promise for me. And it all comes through Jesus Christ. Who do you say that I am? If you have any questions about this or you'd like to dialogue about it further, please just email me directly. My personal email is chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at quinley.com.
Uh, you can check out my personal blog and my family's blog. It's quinley.com. And also, I would really uh, like to invite you to join us at Media Light uh, in the online version. You can go to medialight.ning.com. And every week, or actually every day, we're posting things. There's videos there. You'll be able to watch what's going on here in northern Thailand in the Media Light uh, Institute as we train the next generation of Christian communicators to be able to speak the story of the gospel, do it powerfully through modern media. So check us out on the Ning site, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, God bless. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.